0: The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. Hit it!
1: Move, baby! Boom, move! Move, move, move! move. To the big fella, fake shoots
0: and hits! He hit! it.
1: hit!
0: He hit! it. hit! He hit. He hit. seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh! He hit it! Victor on from three-point range. 99, 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three, and he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the
2: three-point line
3: and hits again. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Setting the Pace. We are here with episode number seven. And speaking of number sevens, the president of the Jermaine O'Neill
1: fan club, Mike Fauci. What's going on, Fachi? Hey, we're roughly a fifth of the way into the season. There's still so many questions, but anytime you can squeeze in a Jermaine O'Neal tribute, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yes, sir. And
3: then, of course, the insider and the coach, Tyler Smith, indie sports legend. What's going on, Tyler? How you doing, my man?
2: Hey, it's good to be here. I missed you guys last week, so let's get it going.
3: Yes, sir. Okay, so obviously there's been a lot of uh, talk going around local Local media here, and I guess it's starting to get a little bit uh, noticed nationally, but we have ourselves another infamous Sabonis versus Turner debate. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA, selfish uh, selfish plug there. <laughs> um, if you follow me, you can tell uh, who I stand with. But, Tyler, Mike, I want to get your opinions on this. I'll go with you first, Tyler. When you see all these um, you know, debate topics between these two guys, what is your first initial response to these fans and these people that are saying, hey, what's what's going on with these two?
2: Well, I mean, I get it to an extent just because, you know, they play the same position. And, you know, could we trade one and get an asset somewhere else that's more needed? I mean, I understand all of that. But my, my initial reaction, even though I understand it to an agree, is – you know why is there so much talk about um which one do we keep when we have both i mean i think the pacers right now are in a position for at least another season or two where they're trying to acquire as much young talent as possible build the core up as much as they can and so to get rid of you know one of those pieces that kind of fits that is a little strange to me you know again even though i do understand part of it but to me i i take the side of uh what some people say where you know let's let's keep both and uh um, see if we can make it work
1: yeah i mean could, could you call it a problem sure i guess but it might be one of the best problems to have in the nba As who really has two really talented centers it, it doesn't always work we saw so it kind of backfired a little bit with the Pelicans, with Cousins and Anthony Davis. They are much better once Cousins went down. But, uh, I don't man, know. They played pretty good with Cousins and,
3: and Davis. They were pretty dominant.
1: <laughs> they were, but they also managed to sweep Portland in the first round without Cousins.
3: Yeah, I don't know they, they would have done that. They could have swept them with Cousins. We don't know that.
1: Could have. In my mind, I thought they played better without them. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to cut to the point <laughs> on it, but... I'm Team Sabonis. I am. I I, I think that we have a star in the making. And I'm I'm waiting. I'm patiently waiting. I'm almost checking my watch every day on Miles Turner. But I need to see more. I'm I'm waiting for, for the justification of the contract. I still think it's a bit of a bargain. But come on, maybe it's the way Nate's using them each night. But I need to see more.
3: Yeah, I know, Focci, I'm right there with you. I am uh, Team Sabonis. I actually just changed my uh, my profile header, and I, uh, I actually wrote my information, Sabonis stand because I want people to know where I stand at. Um, the, the, my biggest thing is, you know, Tyler, you said, why not just keep them both? Well, here's the thing. McMillan's basically said I'm not going to play them together, and the only reason he is is because he wants Sabonis to get more minutes. When we're playing a crucial game, 90% of the time you'll see Sabonis finishing games because he just does things better than Miles Turner. I mean, go back to that Celtics game a couple of weeks ago. He had two turnovers, and uh, I forget. There was something else that he did. There was three things in a row that he did, offense, defense, offense, and immediately he subbed in Sabonis. And, yes, it is nice to have that guy on the bench, but, you know, eventually you're going to have to pay them both because next year Sabonis is up for his rookie extension. And with with Turner being who he is... Yes, he might have more potential, he's a much better shot blocker, but outside of that, I think you can probably say that they're even, or Sabonis has the upper hand in other head-to-head categories, so with that being said, for me, while I don't want to like pick on Miles, it's nothing against Miles, it's just I think Sabonis is a better player, and Thad is going to be gone, Darren Collison, probably Corey Joseph, Bojan Bogdanovic, and then the way Tyreek's been playing this year, you're going to have a lot of guys to fill in for those needs, and you know, I think finding a complimentary power forward next to Sabonis should be their next big move and then hopefully try to get off Turner in the off season when they do go to extend Sabonis because I just feel like consistently Sabonis is the better player. Now, I'm sure that a lot of people will say that, no, he can't stretch the floor, but Turner hasn't really been stretching the floor much this year, and that might be, like you said, Fachi. A problem with Nate McMillan's offense. So Tyler, I just unloaded a lot there. Please kind of give me some feedback on what you thought there.
2: Yeah, well, I, I will say that even though I support Miles Turner quite a bit, uh, maybe more than a lot of people do, I still am pretty much in love with DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a beast in the making. Um, if, if it came down to where they had to choose one, then I would probably lean that way myself. Um, I just think that both guys have a bright future Um, I think there's still time to figure out they got a a season and a half left before um, maybe that would even come into play or at least the rest of this season Um, and and the other thing too is I'm not sure that there would be a trade fit out there for Miles Turner I mean you know if Whoever they would acquire. I mean, I, I saw you mention uh Kimba Walker, or somebody like that. Thing is, you know, I think he's gonna be a free agent, so there's no way I would get rid of, you know, four years of miles for a rental type player. Um I was signing so up. I, <laughs> Yeah, I know I know you would love it. You just want to get him out of there, but well yeah, it's I not know, even
3: uh, that. I just think that Kimba if you have him with Oladipa for a, a three fourths of a season. Maybe they hit something well, and Kimba decides to resign here. I'd rather have Kimba for the next two or three years than another four years of mediocre Miles Turner.
2: Completely yeah, that's, agree. That's just a that's just a risk that you have to take. And I'm not sure at this point. You know, going back to my point when they signed him was the fact that you know small markets have got to hit on their draft picks. You got to at to an, to an extent be loyal to your guys and hope they pan out. And I don't know. It's uh, I, another thing too is just I just you know. You can only say so long that the guy's young, but the truth is at 22, there's so many guys that don't hit their prime until 25. And how would you guys feel if they trade Miles Turner and he explodes somewhere else? You know, that would be one of those tough things to deal with, but it's an interesting debate for sure.
1: Oh, it, it would be crushing. I mean, you guys got to remember. Remember when it was Larry Bird himself who mentioned that Miles Turner could go down as arguably the best player in Pacers history? I mean, that was quite the compliment to, to give it to him that early mm-hmm. in his career. But it, it, since then, I mean, we just have not seen progression. And take a look at Sabonis' stats. I, I challenge anyone to find one category that he has not improved on every single year. Across the board, you've seen improvement. And I it just it's a rare situation, just a fun little fact. I love the fact that he played professional basketball unpaid, so he was still allowed to go to Gonzaga. It's just that you could just see, when is this guy going to stop improving? And being fourth in the league in true shooting percentage, I, I think, is just amazing. And I'm not trying to bash, but while they're different players, and Sabonis does typically shoot a lot closer, Turner is 195th in the league in true shooting percentage. It's And two made threes on the year for Miles? What, what happened? I mean, yeah. he's only taken 16, but why, why is that part of his game just disappeared? So it's 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 frustrating at times because Alex, as you mentioned, Sabonis is finishing those games, and I can't argue with it.
2: I'll give you some stats though, myself. What you got, My, Miles Turner? I mean, we know about the the blocking shots. He's oh, yes. I believe he's third in the NBA in the last three years. Um, the Pacers give up the second fewest points per game. I think you know it's more than just Miles Turner, but he's one of the big reasons why. Um, youngest pacer I believe to ever reach a thousand career points and that you know he's doing that not even being a focal point of the offense Um, I saw in in what was his best season a couple years ago um, I saw a stat where there was only five players um, that had the usage rate the same as him that averaged more points Um, so that to me it's it's partially his fault he needs to learn some things get more aggressive but i also think it is a system thing mm-hmm. you know when he's only being used you know his usage rates under 20 percent and uh not a whole, i mean i think uh Afsef had this the other day that he didn't take a single pick and pop shot in two games i mean that's absurd that should be right up his alley of what he's trying to do you know to as people mention he's like a an aldridge type um wannabe at least but um yeah I mean, a lot of good things in the three-point percentage to me that that also proves like the fact that he's shooting 48 percent despite shooting 12.5 percent from three, I feel like he's going to find his stroke from three and when he does, and when they start using him better, he can be more of the 15 points per game guy that, that he should be with his talent, I think.
3: Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a couple things here, Tyler, just to kind of uh, comment back on some of the questions you asked. And the first question you asked is, well what if, what if Turner does leave and he explodes somewhere? Well, like you said, I guess that's just part of the risk. Now, what do you get in return? Because there might be a team that thinks, hey, Miles Turner is worth giving up an asset the Pacers need. Well, I would still like to see how Sabonis does because if Sabonis plays great and Turner does great, I mean, that's great for both of them because then they're not fighting against each other for minutes, number one. Number two, I just don't think in McMillan's offense that you're ever going to see an eruption from Miles Turner where he is the guy that's making you know, four years, seventy-two million dollars with eight million dollars of bonus incentives. So, with that being said, I mean to me, it's like I'm not sitting here trying to bash Miles Turner. Like I don't root against Miles Turner. I am a Pacer fan and a, a diehard through and through. So if he does great, like he did great in Miami towards the end of the game. No, his statistics were not that great, but at the end of the day, his defensive presence on the court those last couple minutes were huge and they made a difference. But you're not going to and play, Chicago. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you're not going to play centers like Hassan Whiteside and, you know, who was it there, Wendell Carter Jr., those kind of guys that are just sitting around the rim all the time aren't going to be the normal guys you see in the playoffs. You're going to be seeing guys that are sitting that high pick and roll and then dive into the basket. And how does he, you know, uh, adjust to that? And I feel like we've seen this when Sabonis and Turner play together. It, it, they're making Sabonis guard the fours because Miles not quick enough on his feet and they're making Turner guard the fives, but then on offense, they want Turner to play the four and Sabonis to play the five, and, and to me, it's like, you know, you're, you're putting Sabonis in a tough position on defense to try to guard quicker fours, and everyone's like, well, he's a worse defender than Miles. Well, Miles is the better defender. Why can't he go out there and guard stretch fours if that's his true position, and then lastly, like you said, he's supposed to be like Aldridge, and that's what McMillan compares him to all the time, Well, if he's supposed to be like a mini Aldridge, why isn't McMillan running more offense for him? If he's got that good of a touch and that good of a shot, I mean, my goodness, if you're that upset with his rebounding, get over it. I mean, the guy's got a fantastic shot, a soft touch. I want to see him getting more points because in that Rockets game, all his production came in the first half. He got in foul trouble early in the third quarter, and I don't even remember seeing him on the court again. I think Sabonis played the rest of that game. So, I don't know. I just think McMillan's got to find something where he can find some consistency with Miles, and, you know, you know, it goes right back to Miles, too. He's got to be consistent on more of a regular basis.
2: So, you're saying we should fire McMillan, then, so that Turner can... <laughs>
3: no, I'm not saying fire McMillan, <laughs> but I don't think... McMillan was not <clears throat> my favorite hire, and yeah. I, I've grown to like how he approaches things, but... You know, one thing I, I, I was thinking about today is, you know, another guy on our team, Doug McDermott, is not getting hardly any touches. He's lost in the offense, and Tyreek Evans is not even getting more than 20 minutes a game. He's averaging, like, less than 20, it feels like, in the in the last couple of games. It's like, the Pacers got to think about changing something up, and I mean, the, the, the second unit literally is just Sabonis and Tyreek Evans picking pops, or Corey Joseph is in there somehow, and then it's just yeah. like you have two other guys standing in the corner, whether it be Thad, Boyan, TJ, or, or McDermott. How big of a difference would it be if we put Collison and Turner in that second unit and put Sabonis and Joseph in the in the starting unit to get McDermott more baskets and more, more of an offensive flow? Because I feel like there's so heavy Domas in that second unit.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of changes that – that could take place. I think the biggest thing for me in this whole debate, what comes down to is what are the Pacers trying to do this season? Are they really, do they really believe they can win the East? Um, or are they still in a mode of, of trying to see what they have long-term? Um, if they were to dangle a Miles Turner type, um, I'm not saying I would do this trade, but the type of trade would be like, and I'm only saying, cause of contract wise, but like a Bradley Beal type that has, He's locked up for three years compared to somebody that's going to be a free agent. If you want to make a move like that and then roll with Dom uh, uh, Sabonis, um, <laughs> then, it, then it make a little more sense. But I don't know. It's you know, if they were to make a, a splash, but they still end up as a four or five and maybe went around. I don't know if that's worth trading the guy that Larry Bird said could be the best. I mean, it's I feel like it's just too soon for that. So that's my biggest reservation. I like both players. I think they need to. I think Nate needs to figure it out. Um, I still like the the, um, the you know the future of this team and the present. I think it's going to be a good season, but would they really go all in? Um, could they win the East, making a deal? I'm not so sure on that.
1: The, the tricky part with uh, Turner's deal is he's not able to be moved for over a year from now. Uh, just oh, about a true. year. That's not true. That's not true. Are you sure? Yeah, the I rookie. Believe could...
3: Once you sign the rookie extension, and we got I got into this a little bit yesterday with Dave DeFord and uh, Tony East. And Dave DeForest said the same thing. He can't be moved for a year. And then Tony East replied, no, rookie extensions can be moved immediately.
1: It's a veteran extension that can't be moved for a year. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, <laughs> uh, fellas, I think we're going to have to just give him more time, you know, and I'm fine with that um, because the East is it's looking pretty scary right now. And, you know, I I think that if we want to continue pushing forward and where we're hoping to be at that two or three seed a move might have to be made at some point. Not saying Turner's involved in that move, though.
3: Oh, well, then who's involved, Fachi?
2: Just bring Lance back, and we'll be the one seed, probably. <laughs> Lance and Vogel, bring them both back. <clears throat> oh,
1: God, man, no, do Vogel. I miss Frank. <laughs> I miss him at times, though. Those are some, some happy times, but, man. Y'all thought McMillan's
3: that... offense was bad. Did y'all
1: see oh, Vogel's yeah. offense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, defense just uh, isn't quite as sexy as it used to be, you know. But under Vogel, that defense is looking pretty damn good.
3: Yeah, well, I think the league's changed a lot since then, and I think Dan Burke had a lot to do with that, so. That it has. It's, uh, it's interesting, but getting back to the Pacers, I mean, I know we're going to talk a little bit later about the Jimmy Butler trade and how that affects us, but. You know, we've just been, we saw the game against Philadelphia, nobody really showed up, uh, the national guy said, who on this team is going to, you know, be that Robin to Sabona, or to, to Oladipo, and then Paul Pierce said, well, their best players is, is off the bench, their second best player is coming off the bench, which I really can't argue, I think Sabonis has probably been the second best player for the Pacers this season, but... With that being said, I mean, we've seen inconsistency from our point guards. I think Corey Joseph has been much better than Darren Collison all season long, if you're looking at longevity of the season. Um, Now, Collison looked good in the last two games, looked more aggressive. But, you know, with all this going on, I mean, what upgrades can we make to get this team into that, you know, contention of the top four? Because right now those top four are separating themselves from us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's more talent on this team. As I was saying, I, I want, I want to see the actual guy that I thought we signed this offseason, Tyreek Evans, because that was supposed to be that missing link, that potential six man of the year candidate. I mean, there there's certain needs on this team. Like we're not a good rebounding team right now. We're ranking uh, amongst last in free throw appearances. We obviously already touched on the free throw accuracy i mean it's been horrendous and did cost us the game against the rockets so we're going to need a guy who's going to be able to be more aggressive whether that means being able to get get fouled on rebounds or just something i I, we can't just keep shuffling more minutes to sabonis which i do believe he needs more but we got to find a way to to be able to incorporate tyreek evans get the most out of him i'm tired of seeing him under 20 minutes I mean, I, in terms of a trade market, we obviously know we have contracts that are appealing. We could make a move. But is there a certain guy that you guys are targeting right now?
3: Tyler, I'll let you go ahead with this one.
2: I haven't looked too much uh, in, in terms of who they potentially could acquire. Um, I think right now, um, this early in the season, uh, the answer could be in-house. And like you said, Tyreek, I want to see more from both the offseason additions. McDermott. Um, I just wrote, wrote a piece on him, and, and by the way, the fans that talk about, well, he's just not a very good player, you know, that's not even what I'm arguing. I'm just arguing that if, if he's brought here to shoot threes, then he should probably shoot some threes. Right, I mean, he, was, exactly. he he took over five five threes in each of the first three games and has not done that once since. Um, he's averaging 2.2 three-point attempts a game since the first three, and that's the lowest of his career except for his rookie season. So, I mean um, – Part of it is the guys got to get him the ball. You know that Tyree got to get him the ball. Um, we saw that picture that Tony shared, um, and I just <laughs> yes. think it's like you know part of it on that. But you got to run some sets for the guy. You got to um, similar to the whole Turner debate, except you know much um, lesser extent. But some of it's on him, and some of it's on the system, and they got to figure it out. But I would say they're eight and six right now. They got a big week coming up with this rest here, and then three home games. Um, if they were to win all three of those games, you know they, things would look a lot better. But if they were to drop a game or two, and if this were to last a little while longer, um, it's got to be some kind of lineup change. And then maybe um, after a little while longer, you start looking on the outside a little bit. But again, last year they were 19 and 19 before they took off, so you never really know um, when that could happen.
3: Yeah, for me now, I think with with Doug McDermott, like how hard would it be to run two plays for him each half? Try to get him. Four good looks. That's 12 points if he makes them all. Now, if he hits 50% like he was shooting in Dallas, that's six points, and that's a huge difference just coming off the bench, and it's more than he's given us now. And that's going to make, you know, opposing teams worry more about him, which will open up the paint more for Tyreek to get to the lane, you know, and the Sabonis pick and roll will open up even more. I mean, and a lot of guys will not leave McDermott because they know how good of a shooter he is. I mean, there's a picture in that uh, Philadelphia 76ers game, I remember, where, like, J.J. Reddick did not come off of McDermott and just his presence on the court makes a difference. Now, if you're running McDermott around all these screens and you have a guy like Reddit guarding him, he's going to have to run through all those screens. And, you know, what he's doing on the other end is he's running around trying to get open. So that's going to wear him out as well. So I just think that they've got to find a balance, like you said, to get him some more touches because he is a big mm-hmm. part of what you did this offseason. He was their very first move. That was their first pickup. Now, as far as Tyreek Evans goes, we obviously know he was not their first guy uh they wanted jj reddick jj reddick said that in the podcast and he decided to go back to philadelphia and they decided to go with tyreek now i like tyreek but there's so many times i feel like he just looks disengaged that might just be his personality and i'm still trying to get used to it but there's times on the court where i'm like man i just he frustrates me then he does what he does in that boston fourth quarter and just looks phenomenal but as far as guys i mean let me ask you guys this real quick before i give my my answer on a trade that i've kind of been thinking up in my head do you guys believe that we will be players in free agency this year? Honest answer. I do. You do, Tyler? How big of a, how big of a player do you think we'll be?
2: I think so, uh, Pritchard's more of a trade guy, but I would say uh, maybe in the second tier.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel. My thing is, there's a guy that's been playing his brain off, and there's a there's a market out there that thinks that they're going to get stars because they're going to have cap space when they probably won't get a star, and that's the Knicks. And, and Tim Hardaway Jr., now, he's not my favorite player, and he's a high-volume player, but he has been lights out for New York. We saw him go head-to-head with Oladipo, and he's got a similar contract. I, I'm pretty sure. I think we could trade Quinn and um, Tyreek Evans' contracts to match up with Tim Hardaway Jr. Now, I'm not saying that I love that idea. But you get a guy that's locked up for the next couple of years and someone that I really think could be a helper on a on a a you know a team that's trying to contend in the playoffs. He's not going to be doing that with the Knicks, and they're probably going to want to try to get off any money they can to lure two free agents there in the offseason. So uh, not a sexy trade, but it's a small move that I think might help the team and the morale of the team. Tyler, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I actually like it. I mean, I could see it see it happening. Um, I want to see Tyreek step up and if he doesn't, I mean um, he he could definitely be on the trade block and and I I could see Pritchard making a move you know, more in that realm um, than the blockbuster deal that some fans want, Um, but sometimes that little move does a lot and uh, they could get hot with the group they have and one additional piece and become dangerous and I think that's what Pacer fans want. They just want to be in a decent spot and dangerous come playoff time and then see what we got.
1: I hope that this would be the year that by having another good year that this would attract someone big and we obviously know the limitations of it's very unlikely that we will get in you know an A-list star but yeah as we know trade has always been our method in Indiana and I just think that Tim Hardaway he is balling out this year I think that could be a good option would it require maybe a first round pick potentially it could because he is he is balling out this year um but i do think new york is a team that would be looking to get the that contract off the books definitely would help us i I think he's i mean it's he's obviously being twice the player tyreek evans is he's of course he's playing more minutes but tyreek evans in in games where he scored 15 or more it it shows we're winning and i want to see more of that before we hit the panic button and make a move
3: no i agree with you there we do need to see more and i think that Tyreek is going to become frustrated if he's getting under 20 minutes a game. He's arguably a top five player on your team. Talent-wise, he should be getting more minutes. There's no doubt about it. They brought him in there to finish games with Oladipo. And most of the time, he's going small with Joseph and Collison. I mean, why not play him for Collison? I mean, Collison's not a good three-point shooter, uh, especially he's a low-volume three-point shooter. I think Tyreek's probably been... One of the more consistent three point shooters on this team, and he has been the last couple of seasons. I just, I don't get it. I just feel like he needs to be playing more, and maybe there's just something like you said a couple weeks ago, Tyler, with the with the chemistry between McMillan and, and Tyreek.
1: Here's an interesting stat. Uh, I looked it up just a moment ago. In games where Tyreek Evans has had at least 11 shots, the Pacers are five and zero. Wow,
2: that's Boom. interesting. That's all yeah, I got to do.
1: Man, the ball.
3: All right, all right, so we got about five minutes left. Let's wrap this up real quick. Jimmy Butler traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for Jared Bayless, um, Dario Saric, and Robert Covington. Also in that trade was Justin Patton, who the Timberwolves took in the draft when they traded uh, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Lori Markinen to the Bulls. So, Tyler, initial thoughts on that trade. How does it help and hurt the Pacers?
2: Uh, I think it, it's got more potential to hurt. I mean, to me, it's all a chemistry thing. If they can make it work in Philly with some big personalities, they're going to be mighty dangerous. Um, I, I had the Pacers kind of in that, you know, four seed range, but now it's like, you know, the three teams I keep talking about is Milwaukee, Philly, and, and Indiana. And it's very possible that the Pacers would slip to that uh, five overall um, like they were at last year, um, especially with this trade going down. But I'm not completely ruling them out from um, beating Philly because it may not work with the chemistry issue and, of course, the injuries and all of that. So um, I don't know. I First initial reaction was, ah, they did give up a couple good pieces, but that could be that could be dangerous in Philadelphia.
1: I can't think of a way that it helps us at all. I think that Jimmy Butler coming to the 76ers is – It's going to be pretty dangerous. And when I say dangerous, I mean dangerous for the rest of the East because I think that if he has his head on straight and it really looks like he's ready to be happy, say all the right things and win, then they have a very scary starting lineup. Sure, Covington, great, just kind of like a glue man. You're you're 3 and D, and he was a a great piece for them. Same with Saric, but they avoid paying Saric. You're getting out of basically the 40 million owed to Covington. That if you come to agreement with Jimmy Butler, I mean, I think you, you did very well avoiding trading a first round pick. So, ooh, things are getting scary in the East. And guys, may may I dare say, while it's early, is the East looking a bit stronger than the West right now?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, say that depth wise. Maybe up top, they might have some teams that are more competitive, but. I think depth-wise, I think the Western Conference is still pretty good. I mean, you lose LeBron to the West and you get Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. I mean, I think that's a pretty fair trade as far as superstar talent goes. Now, as far as me with the 76ers team, I'm a bit concerned for the 76ers and not so concerned for the Pacers because you do trade role players in Sergeant Covington, but those guys could stretch the floor. And looking at the rest of this team, they lost Bellinelli, they lost Sova now they're losing Robert Covington and they're losing Dario Sarge, that's four three-point shooters to their team last year, and that's part of the reason they won on that huge run in the season. You bring in Jimmy Butler, who is not a very good career three-point shooter, and you're going to be relying heavily on, you know, J.J. Redick to be getting those threes, and depth-wise, I just don't think that their bench is as good as it was. So we are, we are going to be uh, looking at a team here that's got potential, but I do believe that there is something... Uh, that there can be broken there with that team. And I think they're a few pieces away. So with that being said, I'm not as concerned with them. Now they're going to be tough defensively, but offensively, I think they're easier to guard. And my last point on this, Jimmy Butler caused issues in Chicago. Look at the chaos he just caused in Minnesota. And now he's going to a team where, once again, he's got two young superstars above him in the pecking order. And, you know, Markel Fultz hasn't been that guy, but he was the first overall pick you know two years ago so you know what I don't necessarily think Jimmy Butler is is a sixer more than the rest of the season
2: yeah I still think that the key is Joel Embiid's health I mean if he's healthy then they're they're very scary and if he's not if he misses any action really any prolonged action at all I think the Pacers can still um, beat Philly in the standings but I I think a lot of people envision Pacers Sixers first round and that would be a lot of fun
1: Let's just get the home court.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Can't we just ever have one first-round matchup that's that we really feel that we're the favorites. I mean, I'm happy LeBron's out of here, but come on. I thought this was finally the year <laughs> where we could play a, a bit of a weaker team, maybe like a, a Washington who's kind of bickering amongst each other, just something.
2: Could still yeah. happen. We'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: it's early, my man. It's early. So, well, everybody, we're going to sign off here. Uh, you're listening to Setting the Pace. We're part of the Nothing But Net Dash Radio Network, the Up and Under Podcast Network, and you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Tyler Smith at Tyler Smith underscore isl. You can find Mike Fauci at underscore Focci. That's Facci. That's F A C C I. And like I said earlier in the podcast, you can follow me at AlexGoldenNBA. NBA. We hope you guys enjoy today's show. Make sure you. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate and review, and make sure you check us out whenever you can. All right. We'll talk to you later. Peace out, guys. Later. See ya. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.